0: hello and welcome to splatter chatter where october never dies
1: my name is mr Craigers, and i'm one of your hosts here at splatter chatter yes and i am the other host miss melmoy that's correct she sure is and tonight is episode 71 getting up there getting up there we're almost octogen- octogenarians What are we
0: right now? That that would be a septogenarian. Does
1: that have a word? I just know octogenarian. (laughs) I feel like that's the one people say all the time.
0: That's the one people say all the time. Um, We are kicking off our 70s with a discussion of weird fiction tonight. Mm, Yes, no, very excited. Yeah, this was an excellent idea of Miss Mel's. So we're going to. Kind of talk about a little bit of what is weird fiction, who are the big names from it, uh, past and present, what it's sort of become, um, what it looks like in 2019, mm-hmm. and, um, and yeah, just sort of a freewheeling deep dive into uh, or, or surface dive of many different topics involving yeah. fiction. Yeah, yeah, maybe, is, is a better way to phrase it.
1: It's it's a type of... De- we're getting at least up to our knees. We're getting at least up to our knees. We're definitely
0: getting moist. Oh, yeah. There you go, kids. <laughs> but before we get weird, let's um, do some uh, quick horror headlines slash updates of what we have been up to since... Um, Episode 70, and the bizarre um, Barnett case involving the real-life
1: orphan story. (laughs) Oh, yes. Yeah, which if you haven't listened to that... Yes. Take a listen. Um, Yeah, I mean, I feel like we we did a lot of our stuff since then, together. We did a nice little hocus-pocus. Mr. Craigers had me finally watch Happy Death Day to You.
0: That's right, Um, because you were... Uh you came to visit me for Spook
1: Weekend. Yes, yes, yes. And we watched a bunch of other things we've already watched. Shutter Island Halloween twenty eighteen, um Scream, mm-hmm. various American Dad, Bob's Burgers, Family Guy Halloween episodes, always <laughs> always fun. Um I've got tomorrow I'm doing that um the Killjoy's Castle 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 up in Fishtown. Um uh-huh. that is the the feminist lesbian haunted house <laughs> Did not, you talk about that on the last episode? Did I did, yes me I, okay. I mentioned it, it's happening tomorrow hopefully, because um, it's not something you get tickets for you just show up and you go in you know, like on a first come first serve basis so hopefully it's not too crowded mm-hmm. um, and then uh, I've got a whole Halloween well I don't have a Halloween thing this weekend I'm attending a sort of um, they call it Haverween at uh, Haverford College. It's a whole thing. And then next week I am going to see uh, Nosferatu at the Mutter Museum on the night before Halloween. Excellent. Yes. Excellent. Very excited. And I finished, um, which I'm really mad that I didn't finish it until after I left and could give it back to you, um, the uh, season with the witch.
0: I know. I'm in the same boat. I am probably going to finish Hex tonight. Mm-hmm. Course, you know like two days after you were just here but it is what it is yeah. look. so
1: creepy yeah
0: yeah really
1: i enjoyed it a ton obviously really i really recommended it
0: it's um i hadn't realized i was uh um, sort of looking at its good reach page today it's very polarizing it is and
1: it was polarizing even with people that i recommended it to um like, friends that I've recommended it to have had really different reactions to it. People, when I worked at the bookstore, um, had really different reactions to it when I recommended it to them. I still, it was, like, my number one selling recommend. Like, I sold, like, probably, personally, 20 copies of that book at Barnes & Noble. Oh. Like, I kept track. Um, but no, it is, a very, for whatever reason, it's very polarizing.
0: yeah very much so Um, which I I mean I I can see I can see um, why I think and I didn't read a ton of like the negative reviews but the one or two I did saw I was like that to me is a misinterpretation or an overreaction but to each their own yeah So I'm really liking that. Um, I also started watching um, on Sunday after you left this terrifying and wonderful show on Netflix called Marianne. Interesting. Um, It's a French show. Uh, So if you're down with subtitles, check it out. It's about um, this horror writer. She um, is crazy successful. She has this series of horror novels featuring... Um, you know, the same character and this witch demon type creature that she does battle with. And it's earned her a lot of success and a lot of money, but she's over it. And she wants to give up writing the series and move on. She's not interested in horror, Hmm. but um, someone from her past shows up and tells her she has to keep writing and give the story a proper ending because the things she's writing about are actually they're they're coming off the page and into reality.
1: No. Oh.
0: oh boy. Yeah. It's so good. Um really, really creepy. Nice. So it's
1: Marianne, it's on Netflix. I highly recommend it. When I have the ability to pay attention to subtitles because I uh Yes You've run into that problem before.
0: Yeah, you have to be a person who is okay with subtitles and um is able to pay attention to them. Nice. So, or you just have to be fluent in French so these are your options these are your options kids so so shall we get weird we shall get weird (laughs) all
1: right walk us into the water the weird waters weird waters so weird fiction is one of those things i feel like is kind of the word kafka-esque where it has some parameters but for the most part whoever uses it is like the definer in that moment you know what i mean Like, you can say anything's Kafkaesque. You can say anything, you know, remotely in the science fiction, horror, fantastic genre is, to some extent, weird fiction. Um, But the person... So, there's one person who is most associated with weird fiction, and then there's the person who is probably the inventor of of weird fiction. Mm -hmm. The... Person that we would consider as the inventor of weird fiction, whether he knew he was doing it or not, was Edgar Allan Poe. Um, his various, you know, strange short stories that were, you know, they're weird, right? It's not just horror; it's not just um, sort of pseudo-historical things. They weren't yes. just, you know, creepy poems. Like there was some weird, like the Conqueror Worm, like that was weird. Yeah. Um, but we really didn't have a solid sort of formula for weird fiction until uh, comes along a dude in the 20th century, early 20th century, named H.P. Lovecraft. Hey, I know him. Yes. And it's gotten to the point where, you know, people will say something is Lovecraftian, either because it took from his mythos or it um, was just heavily inspired by the way he told stories, the types of stories he told.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, Reading Lovecraft itself, very difficult, very bizarre, very, sometimes a slog. Um, Yeah. What a very digestible (laughs) style. No, not at all. Um, And, but it's funny because then you see, like, you know, people... Take bits and pieces of it and put it into things. And then so the kind of diluted version of it is what becomes digestible. And people have an understanding of Lovecraft and his mythos. But not actually having read Lovecraft. Oh. Um A bit of a background on him. He is from uh, Massachusetts. Uh, and... Oh, oh, specifically, he... um Well, actually, no, I'm sorry. He's from Rhode Island, but he he Ah. grew up... He spent a time in Massachusetts. Um, He was born in Rhode Island. Like many people in New England, born in one part of New England, moved to a different part of New England. Um, But basically, a lot of his stories seem to take place in and around Salem. Um, It is unnamed. Obviously, he creates his own... You know, Arkham is a city he invents for himself. The Arkham Asylum is based on the Danvers... um, mental institution that no longer stands in Danvers, Massachusetts, formerly Salem Village, an offshoot of Salem Town, present day Salem, Massachusetts. There's your mental map. Put it together. Write it down. Um, but so a lot of his, his stuff is associated with that area. And a lot of sort of local um, landmarks become pieces in his story. It was said that he was heavily inspired by the House of Seven Gables, which, you know, you could even, you know, look at that and say, was that kind of an early example of weird fiction? I would say no, but maybe. Um, But he was just heavily inspired by um, these other New England authors who were writing sort of creepy stories. Um, But uh, one of the big stories that, or novellas, whatever you want to call it, that really inspired him and kind of, you can see where he took kind of his, his love of Poe and his love of Hawthorne and combined it with this just really weird story, um, is the novella The Great God Pan, which I recently read. It's, it's easy to read, um, it's short, um, it's obviously, uh, what do you call it, non-copyright, open domain, free domain, whatever it's called. Yeah. So you can find it on the internet very easy. Um, it is by Arthur Machen, um, who basically destroyed his much of his career by writing The Great God Pan. And basically the story, it's weird because it's three different stories, but not really um, quick synopsis of The Great God Pan. And after reading this, this is why I wanted to sort of dive into this weird fiction thing um is it opens with a sort of mad scientist character it it tricks you into thinking it's science fiction for a minute because this guy has this servant girl who he says we're we're going to perform an experiment and see you know the wonders on the other side of the veil of the universe and he does some sort of nondescript experiment you know whatever Back in the day, I think this was prior to the to the world of lobotomies, but it was some sort of psychological brain surgery. The sure. woman w- wakes up, and she's gone completely... And this is something that shows up a lot in Lovecraft. Um, she's gone completely insane after being exposed to this primordial deity known as the Great God Pan, which is something that shows up a lot in Lovecraft, is people go insane when they encounter these, these creatures. Um, jump ahead to this little girl who lives in a village, she's an orphan, um, very Voldemort-esque. One day she takes a local girl out into the wilderness and that local girl comes back very changed and disturbed, but we don't know what they saw. Jump again to We're even farther in the future, a, there's a rash of aristocratic gentlemen who are dying in London because they're killing themselves, they don't know why, they trace it back to the adult version of this young girl who has been driving these men mad by uh, showing them, taking them into the forest and showing them the Great God Pan? And eventually, they track her down, Van Helsing style, and eventually subdue her and kill her. And as she's dying, they catch a glimpse of of the God Pan as she mm-hmm. as she dies, and it's all very creepy. And it's insinuated that um, during the, so she's the daughter of the woman from the experiment at the beginning and it's insinuated that she is the daughter of that woman and the god Pan it's this whole thing but it's very freaky Stephen King um talks about it as one of the great horror novels or horror stories of that time um he wrote I forget what what in one of his novella collections or short story collections one of his short stories is heavily influenced by it I forget which one it is the internet will know better than I do (laughs) Um, so he talks about it and Lovecraft obviously loved it. You know, he thought it was great. Oscar Wilde praised it. Um, Oscar Wilde, who may or may not have had a relationship with Arthur Machen. Ooh. Yes. So there's that going on. Scandalous. Um, but that's kind of the basis for what Lovecraft comes to do is creating these primordial gods, something about the wilderness, people going crazy when they're exposed to it. I mean, the best way I think to describe weird fiction and Lovecraft is, sort of, you know, primordial supernatural beings, some mm. form of psychological element, mm. and the natural elements, you know, whether it be the Arctic or the woods, or, or you know, the the New England cliffside somehow plays a factor. Um, I think that's a that's a that's solid sort of round yeah for, I think
0: that that's a nice sort of like trio of
1: mm-hmm.
0: what to look for,
1: but like we said, weird fiction can be so many different things right oh. <laughs> yeah. it's almost like
0: like these days I feel like weird fiction is almost just almost just about like a mood or a tone. yeah,
1: yeah it's kind of like gothic fiction in that way where it's it's something you feel as opposed to explain,
0: yeah, but it can be so many different
1: things. Yes, it can. That's why we just call it weird fiction because we don't <laughs> really know what else to call it. Um, but my experience with H.P. Lovecraft is actually very minimal. The only thing I've read in full is "At the Mountains of Madness." Um, I've started and stopped a few times. I think it's "Stranger at the Gate" or something at the gate. That's the one about Arkham Asylum. Yeah. Um. But what if what have you what is your experience with Lovecraft, Mister Kriggers?
0: Mine is, is also relatively minimum. He's sort of one of my gaps um, mm-hmm. when it comes to to horror for whatever reason. Thinking about – I mean, like, you, you know, I know his titles. I know uh, about him and sort of, like, what he contributed to horror. But I'm like, what have I actually read? I'm pretty sure – that at some point in high school, we read Rats in the Walls. Okay. Um, and oh, that might be it for me. However, I've seen things,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, I've seen adaptations of stuff. I've, I've seen some stuff, stuff, man. I've seen some stuff, man. Um you know, stuff based off of his work more than I think I've actually, like, experienced his work firsthand. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is kind of what we were talking about. He's not the easiest to read
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, just because of the way he writes. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: But – uh, oh, Sorry. Well, no, I was just, in the way he writes in the lack of ease of him reading, he was actually never successful while he was alive. He died penniless. Yeah, he was relatively he, unfair, right? Yeah, he died penniless. He died a complete failure as a writer. It was only after he died that everyone was like, this is amongst the greatest work of the 20th century and the most influential genre writing we've probably had thus far, which is unfortunate.
0: That is unfortunate, and I feel like that um, he's not the only, like, horror writer that that's happened to. Hmm. Which makes me sad.
1: Because
0: um, yeah. didn't that... Or was Poe
1: successful when he was alive? Poe was successful off and on. Um, yeah, but he was he died, obviously... He
0: poor, right?
1: Yeah, he died poor. He died in a, in a gutter. Um, yeah. Literally. Um, yeah, I mean, he obviously became more successful after he died but he was a bit known um while he was alive like he had he had moderate success it's just lovecraft famously just could not could not get anything published or if he did it was ill received and it just Mm -hmm. he he died of he died a, a bitter and depressed man yeah um looking back i do remember reading the tomb which is basically, um, it was a very Poe-inspired, it was his first story, I believe. Um, it was very Poe-inspired, kind of, um, in the terms of inherited, like, ancestor guilt and that sort of thing. Roughly speaking, I think it was a, it was about a boy who comes across a tomb of his, his family that he breaks into. Um, and after he does this and like learns the secrets of the family tomb, he, he goes mm-hmm. insane and uh gets committed to an asylum. Ew. Yeah. Um so so looking back
0: now at some titles, yes. um I'm realizing that I also have read um the case of Charles Dexter Ward. Mm-hmm. And uh, Herbert West Reanimator, which is obviously what Reanimator was
1: mm. based off
0: of. Um, yeah. I remember reading those two novellas.
1: So exactly. I guess so i had a little bit more. more
0: exposure than I thought. Still not yeah. a ton. Um, it's still you know more. I've seen things based off of his stuff than anything else, like, like *Dunwich Horror*, um, *In the Mouth of Madness*, uh, which is one of my favorite underrated John Carpenter movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's the. I remember this is actually. So the analogy here is actually about A Wrinkle in Time, which when they made the recent movie out of it, the screenwriter said that she, when she was writing the screenplay, that it's not so much a story that can be adapted as much as it is just kind of evoked. And I feel like that's really kind of Lovecraft is like, you can't adapt these things. Um, the way you would think of an adaptation, it's just you evoke the mood, you evoke the tone, you evoke the characters, um, the formulas, the themes of, of forbidden knowledge, of ancient religions, um, you know, superstitions, some, you know, sort of pseudoscience fiction, that sort of thing, um, but he is, you know, he was not the first to do weird fiction, but he is the reason that we know what it is, that we have the kind of sort of working definition for it. Oh. Um and he has him and other weird fiction has inspired a lot of um modern day stuff. Um if we want to go into a little bit of sort of modern day adaptations and then we can actually talk about like people who today would we probably consider like active working in the genre weird fiction writers. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So the first thing that comes to mind for me for Lovecraft because I think it was the first time I was actually like truly exposed to what Lovecraft looks like, um, and probably the closest thing we have to a sort of Lovecraft adaptation is Hellboy. Oh, okay. I was gonna say Hellboy.
0: That's not what I thought you were gonna say. But mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Hellboy. For those of you who have not experienced it, it's not Strictly horror. It's a comic book. It's a comic book, and the movie I'm talking about is a comic book movie. Um, but our, our hero is a, a demon who is found in the 1940s at the end of World War II by a group of American soldiers who are raiding this kind of Nazi occult camp. Um, and during their occult practices, they bring something over from the other side, and it's this baby demon. Um, and it's rescued by the Americans, and he's raised to kind of be a monster fighter. But the entire mythos that um, Guillermo del Toro, and there's there's a couple Guillermo del Toro movies that we can go into after this that definitely um, deal with Lovecraft and weird fiction. But the entire mythos he builds around Hellboy in these movies is, like, literally Lovecraft. Like, I think Cthulhu, like, is in the movie. <laughs> um, I don't know. Did you ever see the first Hellboy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, like, they're using the Necromicon and all these, like, yeah fake-ass, but people think they're real in modern-day texts. Mm-hmm. They're summoning these Lovecraftian monsters and combining them with kind of the Judeo-Christian idea of hell uh, and demons and that sort of thing to create this entire mythology. So, like, the idea here is Hellboys... Um, stone right hand unlocks the gates to this other world where, you know, the various deities of, of Lovecraft's mythos that I can never pronounce can come through oh. and, and cause Armageddon.
0: Usually you're not supposed to pronounce them, so...
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, there's still people who get into fights about how you... Is it Cthulhu? Is it Ch- Cthulhu? Is it Chthulhu, Like, you know, what? who knows? Um, is it... Is the sea silent... Um, I say take a and just I say live my life as well. Yes um, But it's interesting because it combines Lovecraft's Mythos with Our Judeo-Christian idea Of Armageddon and the end of the world um, Yeah Which I think is fascinating And probably the correct move Yeah For sure
0: So speaking of the Necronomicon Mm -hmm. being used. That made me think of um, Sam Raimi's Evil Dead
1: trilogy. Yes, yes, yes.
0: In which the Necronomicon Ex Mortis or the Book of the Dead is a major prop and plot point in um, all three of those movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, Particularly, well, no, yeah. It's it's major in all of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I pretty sure that one of the inspirations for Sam Raimi to make the original, uh, Evil Dead was because he had been reading Lovecraft. Um, it mm-hmm. just like torn through his entire catalog. Um, and that helped him inspire,
1: uh, Yeah. And I mean, if you think about it, it's the danger of nature, forbidden knowledge, um, demons,
0: <laughs> demons,
1: <laughs> various otherworldly malevolent beings
0: yeah and even like you know we get characters going, going mad right mm-hmm. like that, that specific way that possession happens in Evil Dead and like sort of how the demons from the Necronomicon, Necronomicon take over the characters and even what, like what happens to Ash who just like loses his fucking mind fighting mm-hmm. back that's it's, in it's own kind of insanity so, definitely yeah. Lovecraftian weird fiction elements there.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. It's something I hadn't thought of because, yeah, I guess like, and that's a good example of how these things can dip really far into horror. They can dip far into science fiction. It just depends on the perspective of the person, um, doing it. Um, and Game of Thrones as a whole, yes, is very Lovecraft inspired. Um, obviously, Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, yeah. Draws and that draws uh, specifically from Great God Pan. It draws obviously from Lovecraft. Great movie. If any of you have not seen it, um, it's another one Maybe. where you got to be down for some subtitles. Um, yeah, but great movie Probably. about a a girl who nightly goes into this sort of strange underworld um, run amok by various sort of. Very strange goblins and creatures and ancient sort of beings. And then there is, of course, Pan, um, the goat god man uh, who who runs the place. Um, and then Shape of Water, even a little less on yeah. the mythological side. But, you know, the idea of creatures, water creatures specifically, something coming out of the deep is very Lovecraftian. Guillermo del Toro did Hellboy um, and he also wanted to, his big sort of like um, magnum opus that never got to happen because it was costing too much money and it was going to be rated R and there you know all these other things um, was he wants to do a um, faithful adaptation of At the Mountains of Madness which is mm-hmm. kind of one of Lovecraft's more famous stories about um, a group of Arctic explorers who finds remnants of an ancient advanced civilization, uh, under the ice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And while I love, uh, in the mouth of madness, it, um, it, it's, it, it has nothing to do with, with Lovecraft essentially. It's <laughs> just sort of borrowing the title and like theme and tone and technique, but it's mm-hmm. not, it's not really an adaptation of Lovecraft's story. Yeah.
1: Um, But you could argue, I think, maybe The Thing is kind of very Lovecraftian. And I know that's a big one for you.
0: Yeah, The Thing, um, the way the alien manifests itself. I think all of Carpenter's uh, sort of unofficial apocalypse trilogy, The Thing, In the Mouth of Madness, and um, Prince of Darkness, too, Mm -hmm. all draws on, on those kinds of things and are all... Brilliant movies! Um, there's also lots of nods to... And sort of the uh, the whole point, really, of um, Cabin in the Woods is, is mm-hmm. a thing yeah. of Lovecraftian horror and um, old ones existing uh, beyond our scope of time and space that need to be appeased... Mm Lest they burst through and destroy everything.
1: Yeah, and I guess that's another kind of thing with Lovecraftian horror and weird fiction is that there's always we're always very unaware of how on the brink of just total destruction and chaos we are, (laughs) Um, because somebody's out there appeasing whatever needs to be appeased, or it's you know in a slumber. but you know, right beneath our feet is the you know primordial titans, waiting to to burst forth. They're coming for us. <laughs> um, one really good I, modern example, and this is a movie you and I both watched, I believe, independently, and then both texted to each other to be like, "Have you seen this?" Is um, the Void.
0: Oh yes, the Void.
1: Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the Void, Mister.
0: So the Void. Hmm. Starts off as what we might think of as a quasi um, cult slash home invasion story, even though we're not in a home or our characters are trapped in a hospital. And then it quickly diverges <laughs> 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 to become straight up. Um, Yeah, like, straight-up Lovecraftian, uh, Elder God-ish, uh, Major Demons, um, sort of, um, time and space and gateways and portals are all coming into play, and the, the purpose of the cult is to unleash these horrific, um ancient beings upon the world and the hospital is 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 the place they're gonna do it in and it's it's so weird it's so strange it's it's really good
1: though it is no that's the thing it's it's so strange but it is multiple things at once it is a, a cult film it's a home invasion film it's a you know, there's a couple of twists in there in terms of who is working for who and aligned with who. And then it just straight in the last act turns into like total, like, you know, they're walking through the gateway into the other world. And and it has some amazing um,
0: body horror
1: involved,
0: mm-hmm. like with the effects, which I think is something that like, well, maybe not like strictly a qualification for weird fiction, I think ends up being something that happens in weird fiction a lot, just because of the nature of what it's dealing with. Yeah. Like we get a lot of really interesting, really gross body horror going on when it comes to weird fiction. And when it comes to Lovecraftian stories, in
1: particular.
0: Yeah. I'm thinking of like beyond the black rainbow is mm-hmm. <laughs> a fucking head trip. <laughs>
1: And I wonder, like, and that is kind of even a little bit about, like, the Arthur Manchin story. Like, there's no graphic depiction, but there's the insinuation of some sort of strange brain surgery. They opened up, you know, her mind very literally. Um, there's a graphic depiction of when uh, the character's name is Helen, when our sort of femme fatale dies at the end. There's a graphic de- Description of like what it looks like as she's kind of melting and morphing and turning into these these various things before she dies. Um.
0: Yeah. So like almost like maybe so like it's not like it's not there constantly, but then like we get like one really intense moment with it almost. Because mm-hmm. like I'm thinking I'm thinking of Reanimator. Yeah. And even like the short story or the novella like as we're reading we start figuring out that you know the graves are being robbed and the bodies are being you know disseminated and dissected and hopefully reanimated but we don't really see that hardcore until the very end where it's like gross and over the top and then you know the body horror comes into full effect you know yeah.
1: Yeah, no, and it is interesting because I cannot um, pinpoint why those two things go together, but they do. Like, yeah. they, that is a that is a thing that that happens, you know, throughout. Like, body horror is just part of part of the weird fiction. Um, somebody out there write a paper on that. Tell us why. Someone, yes, yeah, someone do that. <laughs> um. But, yeah, so a couple others, too. Um, event Horizon is a great example.
0: Yes. Um, Go, check out, um episode... Oh, God, what episode was that?
1: It was somewhat recently. It was around the time they they, they showed us the picture of the black hole.
0: Oh, oh yeah, um, episode 62.
1: Yes. Where um, we
0: cover Event Horizon.
1: Yes, yeah, so yeah, and definitely.
0: as you know, we...
1: I think we brought it up before we like it a lot, but definitely, um, you know, what lies beyond the threshold of a black hole and what another universe might look like. Um, Clive Barker, who I think was a huge influence himself for Event Horizon, does a lot of like just total body horror, weird fiction with Hellraiser. Um, or, well, the Hellbound Heart, which becomes hell, the movie Hellraiser. Right. Which deals with similar things as Event Horizon.
0: And I've heard, I haven't um, read them, but I, from what I understand, his novels um, Imagica and Weave World are very like the marriage of weird fiction and body horror and like, a, like dark fantasy.
1: Hmm.
0: Like, so that Pan's Labyrinth side of things, that Lovecraft side of things, and that you know, very specific brand of Barker body horror sort of all mashed together um, as his trademark version of weird fiction.
1: Yeah. So one modern example now Unless did you have a couple other films or um,
0: I mean, I think you can find it um influences of weird fiction um in like the outer limits
1: oh yes, yeah, I used to when what was that that channel that no longer exists oh um. You know which one I'm talking about.
0: Uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. They
1: used about. to play Outer Limits all the time during the day. Yeah. Um, I think that The was cable version by- of Shutter.
0: <laughs> was influenced by... Yes.
1: And I was like, why, oh my god, why am I blanking completely? It's only been gone like three years and we've already forgotten what it's called.
0: I know. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but uh, I think Alien definitely yeah. has to we- hmm some influences there, um, yeah, yeah, um, and then I f- feel like recently weird fiction is like taking on a somewhat different kind of form.
1: Yes, well, there's actually the the new weird is what they new. Weird. They've been calling it. There's a new. Everything. There's a new adult. There's that. a new weird. Um, so the best example I can think of for new weird in terms of like what that means and looking at what other people are saying about it um is uh annihilation. Yes. Um yes. it's kind of the the when people talk about this idea of new weird or modern like modern day weird fiction they are referencing Jeff VanderMeer and his mm-hmm. Southern Reach trilogy. Um, which I have not read them all, Mr. Crackers has. I have seen the movie Annihilation, which is kind of the combination of all three into one film. And it's a bonkers... Like, first of all, I love that movie. cannot stress enough how much I love that movie. <laughs> um, it's weird not to, you know, use a overused word today, but it's so <laughs> fucking bizarre. It's, um, it's the word of the week. Well, it's about... So a comet or an asteroid... Um, lands on the planet, uh, in Florida, of course this happens in fucking Florida, and it causes, um, in the, like, panhandle, um, it causes this, this strange sort of shimmering, they call it the shimmer, um, in, in the movie, um, it's referred to more as Area X in the book, but it's this uninhabitable part of Florida now, around the perimeter of where the asteroid hit, that's got this strange sort of veil over it. Everybody who's gone into past the veil has not come back out. Um, It's spreading, like it's slowly starting to spread. And inside, um, past the veil, inside Area X is fucky as all get out. Um, There is a somewhat scientific explanation for why it is like this, um, which I think is kind of maybe indicative of the new weird is that we want more scientific explanations. Now more science fiction, as opposed to in Lovecraft's time, you could just say like, Oh, he stuck an ice pick in his head. And that's why this, he is now the way he is in annihilation. Um, they kind of give an explanation for the strange genetic deformities. They're seeing the way trees and animals and everything is just kind of combining like in odd fucking strange ways. Um, at one point in the movie, Natalie Portman's character starts to get a tattoo on her arm that somebody else in her group has, and it's starting to show up on her arm. There's this terrifying scene with a bear that earlier had um, attacked and killed a member of the group, and it now has her voice. Like, it, it when it roars, it's her voice screaming. Like, it's so—it's like— the strangest scariest body horror like you could possibly imagine um and you know there's this part where somebody in in Oscar Isaac's group that initially went into the forest his stomach like they they cut open his stomach and you see his intestines are moving like a snake like it's just it's insane it's so freaky um and it's it's just it's literally that it's that that marriage of of nature of science of horror of body horror um of something sort of primordial but now with this new weird it's more based in science like we're more interested in it from a scientific standpoint than like an ancient religion standpoint um i feel is one of the big aspects of the sort of new weird or the modern weird
0: uh-huh. And the books are very, like, are very, um, they get into that a lot. Mm -hmm. Like they give a, leave a lot of room for, um, the exploration of the science and the quest of different characters to make reason and make sense and come to an understanding of what's happening inside area X, um, and what's causing it. And can it be stopped? Um,
1: but man, they're trippy books. They're trivia books. It's a true movie. It's an yeah. upsetting movie, but it's so good.
0: They're bizarre. They're really good. Um, but... Yeah, tough stuff. It was interesting to see... I still haven't seen the movie.
1: Um, very good. So shame,
0: shame on me. Um, and I'm interested to see how they resolve the film based on how the trilogy
1: concludes. I will tell you... Um, one part of the way the trilogy concludes is left more ambiguous in the film, okay. uh, specifically about the fate of um, the psychologist. Is it the, no? It's not the psychologist. Whoever the main, the biologist, the main character, the main
0: department character.
1: Yeah, okay. um, that's they're, left
0: ambiguous in the film.
1: They're more ambiguous about something that I know in the book is kind of.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cut and dry.
1: Yeah. Um, and it works so well. I, you need to watch Annihilation. It's so good. Cool. Um, but another great example that I think you can also speak to is Daniel Eski and How to Leaves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, which is very different than Annihilation and the Southern Reach trilogy.
0: Right, because it's very different than everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yet yeah, it it's drawing on everything at the same time. And then it becomes its own thing, but then it also like falls into all these other categories. Um, and is also absolutely terrifying and trippy to read. Yes. And, um, we have discussed it before, but just as a quick recap, House of Leaves is a novel, um, by Mark C Danielowski that. Concerns many different stories, but, um, is about the exploration of a house. Mm-hmm that may or may not have existed mm-hmm. that was larger on the outside than it was on the inside. No, vice versa. And, no, flip that, yeah. flip that. <laughs> and, um, when it's inhabited by, uh, a filmmaker and his family, um, strange place host to some very strange activity and the exploration of that and these weird tapes and there's
1: it's bizarre yeah and um, he
0: what's the story of his um the, the familiar? familiar
1: yeah okay so the best so the best summary i can give kind of of what's going on there is that it's a group of people um across kind of like Sense Eight, maybe a little bit across the world who are connected by the same sort of sound that they're hearing at the same time like the entire first book takes place in one day 800 pages or whatever it is in one afternoon Um, About this ultimately the climax of it is that this young girl finds a kitten um, On the side of the road and takes it home and it seems to be more than what it appears But while this is going on people all over the world um, These like eight other people or so are experiencing their own thing like one's a there's a group of like people at an observatory watching like some sort of um, Celestial phenomenon there's a guy in the middle of sort of a a, a criminal heist and all these people, but they're connected by, they're hearing the same cat sound meowing. Mm. Um, and I haven't gotten too far into that because he's kind of got it on hiatus and I'm like, well, how much effort should I put into something that is possibly yeah. to be finished? Um, but the idea behind that was that there was something about, um, connectivity between people, um, quantum entanglement and that sort of thing. Um, who knows what it would become? We don't know because it's as of right now on hold. <laughs> um but yeah, I think and I think House of Leaves is kind of like in the realm of the Poe kind of weird fiction where it's um Definitely. more gothic and and kind of supernaturally haunted than it is about, you know, things in the farther reaches. And science and that sort of thing Um, But two different versions Of of the same Genre as it looks today
0: Yeah Absolutely And um There's like there's a couple other Titles um, That I know Uh, There's a novel called The Grip of It
1: Mm -hmm. Which
0: is supposed to be like Very Weird fiction-y And then um so, works of Victor Lavelle. I am, yes. Who wrote The Changeling and The Ballad of Black Tom.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, he evidently, again, I haven't read his stuff yet, but I want to, mm-hmm. draws very heavily on um, weird fiction. Um, the sounds of it, both from like the Poe side of things and Lovecraft side of things. Uh huh. So, um, have you have you ever seen um, any of Aaron moorhead's movies resolution or spring and then the new one is the Endless no I haven't you would really like those interesting they are like they're not quite like deep lovecraft but they're definitely weird fiction yeah and brilliant films I haven't seen the endless but resolution and spring um
1: I highly oh, he did it. he did one of the VHS.
0: Yeah, he did, I can't remember what segment he did, um, but he's good. I right. like Resolution a bit more, but but the both that I've seen. All
1: right, I will take a look. Um, one great example, I think, of somebody kind of just taking very cut-and-dry, um, literal... Um, influences from Lovecraft is Stephen King's Macroverse. Yeah. The uh, Crimson King, um, the Turtle, um, the way that um, the being known as Pennywise arrived Mm -hmm. in Derry, Maine, um, all that is very, very like um, and you can speak to it more than I can, but it is very, very like purist lovecraftian
0: oh definitely
1: definitely
0: especially i mean the scene in the most recent movie is nothing compared to the sequence in the book where they (coughs) where the losers club has the vision of how pennywise arrived on earth Hmm. and that could have just walked out of lovecraft's you know unpublished journals or something um yeah Definitely weird fiction. And I think just the idea of the Dark Tower, right, and sort of how it works and what you find out about the tower the farther along you get along in the series. Mm-hmm. Uh, and definitely the the role of the Crimson King plays in all of that. So, yeah, yeah I definitely agree. And he, even King... Um, himself, I feel like some... Some of his stories are, like, his own spin on Lovecraft, you know? Yeah. Some of his short stories, I feel like. Like, the, the prequel to Salem's Lot that I think is in Night Shift.
1: Yes, um, I have read that. Day. And it is very... It's very Poe Lovecraft-esque. Very Poe Lovecraft-esque. Yeah. Um, that's, I think, the first story, actually, in Night Shift.
0: Yeah, I think you're right.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's some there's some
0: weird fiction out there, kids. Yeah, and it's and it's pretty cool. Um you should check it out and you should tell us about any weird fiction staples that we miss because again, we're just wading into the waters. It's mm. a deep it's a deep sea out there.
1: Yeah, it's been around yeah. since for a hundred and seventy odd years. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's going interesting
1: places. hmm Yes. So
0: how can our amazing listeners tell us about the weird fiction that they're reading or that they want to read or that they think we should read or watch?
1: Yes. Well, they can do all these things if they can fit it into 240 characters on Twitter by tweeting yeah. us at splatterchatter666. Uh, minus on the vowels if that's too difficult. Just search splatterchatter666 on Twitter. We will pop write up if you need more than 240 characters you can email us at splatterchatter669 at gmail.com uh you can drop us a dm on instagram at splatterchatter666 you can leave a comment on the blog which is splatter dot dash chatter dot com yes yeah that's it <laughs> And uh, you can uh, check out our Tumblr. It's flatterchatter.tumblr.com. And you can get more involved if you would like. And Mr. Craigers will tell you how you can do that.
0: If you want to show how much you love us we will take your expressions of love in the form of donations through our patreon page at patreon uh patreon.com slash 666 yeah. but you will also take your expressions of love in the form of rating and reviews on apple Podcasts, soundcloud or stitcher and of course engaging with us on any of our social media platforms or on our website where you can find um, Reviews, uh, the 31 by 31 challenge Mm -hmm. uh, from myself. You can find some think pieces from Miss Mel, and just all kinds of good things that are happening over there. Now, this is our last episode before the big day. Each day. So I think Miss Mel and I both want to wish you guys a fun and safe. Mm-hmm. Halloween please don't do anything
1: stupid. Don't um, do anything we wouldn't do. Mostly anything Mr. Carter's wouldn't do because that's is a, a safer bet.
0: <laughs> have amazing have an amazing time but be smart.
1: Yes, be smart, have fun. Look out for each other.
0: Yeah. And if you feel like it, um, drop us a pick or two of your costumes Yeah, and let us know what you're getting up to on, on the big day. Um, are you going to a party? Are you doing a movie marathon? You're taking the kids trick or treating
1: Taking uh, yourself trick or treating? No shame.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, let us know what you're up to and, mm-hmm. um, we will be back, uh, in early November.
1: Yeah, for maybe we'll take on that. Thanks, Killing Three. The search for Thanks, Killing Two.
0: Yeah, that's that's gonna have to happen. That's maybe the <laughs> next episode or the one after that. So mm-hmm. uh, we be looking out for that. Um, you nice, nice
1: tit having bitches. I <laughs> just like the amount of times you just and any given day at any point in the year you just it'll be quiet in a room and you should be like nice tit, bitch. Nice tit, bitch. <laughs> It's so, the most iconic line
0: from any horror movie ever.
1: Yes. Nobody would disagree.
0: At me. Don't <laughs> at
1: me. <sighs> All
0: right, you guys. Until we check in with you again for episode 72, we want to remind you to keep up the creep, be safe, and for now we're going to ha- say au revoir, adios, and dust